You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Hey, good morning. I get to say it. Merry Christmas. I, fi- I waited till after Thanksgiving to say that, even though my Christmas decorations have been up outside for a month. Anybody other than me, a big on lights outside as early as you can in the season. Good. You are the great people. The rest of you need to catch up. Just say it. Great to celebrate Christmas season with you. Today, we are kicking it off with a new series. I paused where we were in Mark. We'll pick that up next year. But this year, I wanted to spend a little time talking about an unlikely Christmas and use the stories of Christmas to show us not only how unlikely that event was, but how God works in the unlikely in your Christmas as well. Today we're going to look in Luke chapter 1. You can grab your Bibles, pull that up, or your devices. I want you in the scripture with me as we walk through this incredible story about finding God's hope in a dead dream. Now, some of you know a little bit about dreams that are pretty much dead. I was reading a story about Gladys Iward, who was a missionary in China area back in World War II. She had a mission where she served 100 orphan kids. And during that time, the Japanese uh, nation was advancing against that area where she was at. She knew that if they stayed there, those kids would be wiped out in the battle. So she and her assistant grabbed all 100 kids and headed towards the mountains. Sounds a little like Sound of Music. Headed towards the mountains to try and get those kids over the mountain into the other countryside of China where they would be safe. But after the first day and first night, she woke up in the middle of the night in total despair. She knew that they were not going to escape this coming onslaught. And she'd be watching all these kids die in her midst. So she started praying and felt more and more despondent and defeated all night long. To the point she woke up the next morning and thought, I just got to prepare myself for what's going to happen next. And one of the kids, a 13-year-old girl out of that group of kids, came up and said, Miss Gladys, what's wrong? You You don't look right. Are you upset? Yeah, I'm upset. It's going to be a bad day today. I know it's just terrible. I have no hope at all. She goes, why? And he tried to explain to this little one what was going on. And she said, but Miss Gladys, don't you remember the story you always tell us about Moses? How Moses was up against the Red Sea and God made a way? Gladys says, I know, but I'm not Moses. To which the 13-year-old said, yeah, but he's the same God. I love that. I'm here to remind you today. Here's the sermon in a nutshell. I'm here to remind you today, no matter how hopeless your Christmas feels, you have hope because he's the same God. And that's exactly what we're going to see out of this incredible, unlikely event that is a story you don't see depicted in the manger scene at home in your decorations. It's the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's look at it. Chapter 1 of Luke, starting at verse 5. I'm just going to walk through this story and show you what to do when your dreams feel unlikely or pretty much are dead. Notice dreams grow unlikely and delay 
and defeat. Here's how this passage begins. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. That's a lineage way back in Moses' time that has had generation after generation after generation serving in the temple or tabernacle, offering the gifts of the people to God. He's part of that lineage. And his wife's lineage, Elizabeth, was a descendant of Aaron as well, all the way back to Moses. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless. Here it is. They had no children because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Now just pause right there for a second in the story. I want you to see how dreams die. We are people of dreams. Daniel uh, uh, Gilbert of Harvard University is a professor of psychology there. He says that the one thing that makes humans different is that we can dream or think, or many of you with me, worry about the future. Now, I won't have you raise your hand if you worry, but you realize worry is just a wrong dream. It's the ability that we have as human beings to forecast or imagine or predict or plan or hope in something to happen in the future. And you as humans are unique in that you think about this all the time. In fact, Daniel, uh, Daniel's made an observation. He said, you spend 12% of your day dreaming or thinking about the future. 12% would be an hour every eight hours. How many of you think you spend that much time forecasting your future? Just curious. At least that. Probably more. Like right now, you're not even thinking about this message. You're thinking about, okay, what's for lunch today? And I'm, I'm imagining myself going home and setting up Christmas decor. And Come on, think about it. You, we spend all of our time. This is what makes humans so different, is animals don't do this. But we do. And why? Because that was created within us as part of the Spirit of God who, when he breathed life into human beings. He gave us this ability not only to think about the future, but actually to do things to create the future. Special gift. Problem is, sin came along. And in Genesis chapter 3, Adam sinned. And it changed our hope into something that could die. Why? Because with the first sin came a limit on time. You have a limited amount of time to fulfill your dream. That's a problem. Because if you've got a dream, and you do, and if I've got a dream, and I do, and we know the time is going shorter and shorter for that dream to happen, our dreams tend to die. And just, can I pause for a second and ask you, what's the dream in your life that's on the chopping block. What, what are the things you hope for that just feel like they're never going to occur? I'm not talking about winning $2 billion lottery or changing jobs or moving to a nice warm climate, which, you know, I think about every time Tracy December's roll around. I'm talking about the dreams that you expect to happen, like love in a marriage or success for your kids, or 
joys in your life or success at work or things that you think you deserve or you've earned or they should happen because God loves you and they are not happening. Any, don't raise your hand. Anybody here have a dream like that? And you're struggling with it? That's Zachariah and Elizabeth's story. Zechariah's priest of the Most High God. He's been part of a lineage since Moses and Aaron. They've passed the duty on to the sons, generation after generation, all the way down to Zechariah from Aaron. He's owed that dream. He's expecting that he would have a son to carry on the tradition of the family. But they don't have a child. Not only that, he's married to a woman who's part of that same tribe. If anybody should have a child that should carry on that tradition and carry on that duty, it should be Zachariah and Elizabeth. He's even selected by drawing of lots to serve, by bringing the incense offering into the temple itself to the most holy place, a duty that only one person gets to do every year. And he is getting the privilege of doing that, but he has nobody to pass that duty on to. And maybe you have a dream, maybe it's not to have a son. But you can feel the ache in his heart. And this dream is dead. And come on, ladies, can I just speak to you? 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old. You ain't expecting to ever have a child at those age. Can I get an amen? Yeah. There is a man in this room whose dream for his life has never turned out the way you expected. And maybe this Christmas you're coming to the realization it's never going to. There's a woman in this room, a young person in this room, who's had a hope in something to happen in their life. And it feels like God forgot you. That's where... Zachariah and Elizabeth are that day. Look what happens next. It's in the midst of those expected dreams dying that God does his best work. He does his best work in our unlikely. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now just, just pause there for just one second. Here's how they did this. this. This happens once a year. The priest gets to take in the incense, which incense represents the prayers of the people. All these sacrifices they've been doing, that would be part of their sacrifice would be to offer prayers. And they would take this incense, it would be burning, and he would walk in to the most holy place. What a privilege to do that. He's representing all the people of Israel and their hopes and dreams. 400 years of silence from God, not a single word from him, not a prophet to speak for him. Roman occupation, all their dreams about Messiah just feel like they're gone. But he's still bringing the prayers. They would have tied a rope to him just to make sure that if he gets in there, being an old guy, and something happens or he dies, they've got a rope to pull him out because nobody else is allowed into the most holy place. Can you imagine? And he goes in there, 
And while he's in there and he's echoing this priest prayer that they echo as a part of this special offering, the Levites know it well. An angel of the Lord, verse 11, appeared to him. And stand, it stood at the right side of the altar of incense, right side, position of power, bringing the power of God into this moment. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. You would be too. I think it's funny we talk about guardian angels. You see a guardian angel, you're scared to death. Let me just tell you. There's something that, about them that would frighten every person. But the angel said to him, here it is. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. That's a strange name for a Hebrew boy. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get this, even before he's born. Wow. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's the forecasted Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, just put that on pause for a second. Let me just tell you something. God was speaking through this angel to bring hope back to Israel through this vision to Zechariah in the temple. He was offering something to Zechariah that was far different than his dream ever imagined. Zechariah had always hoped for a son. But the way that would work is normally they would get a son and name them after the father or somebody in the ancestral tribe. Not come up with a new name that nobody's ever heard of. And this son was supposed to be the one that carried on the family lineage to pass the duty on to the next generation and the next to be a Levite for the rest of the time waiting for the Messiah. But God sends this angel to give a far different dream to fulfill something far greater than Zachariah or Elizabeth ever could imagine. Zachariah was witnessing the most unlikely thing he'd ever imagined. Now listen, I I went through, he's, he's going to restore Zechariah's hope as well as the nation's hope in just a minute. But I want you to see God always fulfills his promises. Because dreams are about what I want for my life. Pro- hopes are about what God wants for my life. Dreams are about what I wish would happen. Hopes are what God promises to happen. And dreams are based on me. Hopes are based on God. Do you follow that? There's a lot of passages on hope in the Bible. The greatest of these is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. We'll talk about that next week. There's hope is when God does something to prove he is faithful that has nothing to do with us. And there's three promises he's made, three general promises that he makes to every single believer, every single person. Here they are. They're not in your notes. Let me just say them and then I'll show you how they show up in the passage. 
three promises he makes that he will be faithful to. Number one, God is always with us. He is Emmanuel, which means God. Or Bills, help me out. God with us. It's a promise. God gave that promise. He's been with us all the way from the beginning, and he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He is always Emmanuel. He's always with you. That's why the angel's first thing that he says to Zechariah is, don't fear. You know what he's telling him? Quit worrying about tomorrow because God's already in tomorrow. Quit fearing what's going to happen now because God's already with you now. You have no reason to fear because God is near. I like that. You might write that on your mirror. I need to remind you of this. God does never leave you to walk in tomorrow, into tomorrow alone. He is always with you. You can trust him because he promises to be there. Second promise he makes throughout scripture is he has a plan for you. You see this all the way throughout scripture. He had a plan for Israel. He had a plan for Abraham. He had a plan for Moses. He had a plan for Noah. He had a plan for David. He had a plan for Solomon and on and on and on and on and on it goes. He always has a purpose or a plan for you. Problem is, we like to tell God what our purpose is instead of let God tell us what his purpose is for us. But he always has a purpose and he's always going to fulfill it through your life. What does he say? The angels say, don't fear. Your prayers have been heard. God knows what your heart dreams of. And he's got a purpose for that. He never, he never misses a prayer. By the way, parents, this is my most grateful promise from God is that he never misses a prayer. Because our kids can escape our home, our rules, our communities. They can run. They can do anything they want to leave us, but they can never leave our prayers. God's always got control. And he hears our prayers. And if you're a kid, there's a few of you in here, just remember, mom, dad, their prayers are coming after you. Just saying. Because God always hears them. And he hears, he heard Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayers all that time. And then he says, you're going to have a son. But this is not going to be the son you imagined. This son is not for you, Zechariah. This son is for the nation. This son is not just going to be one that carries on the Levitical tradition. This kid is going to be a prophet to all the world. He's not one that just brings in incense to sacrifice and to offer the prayers of the people. He's the one that summons all of the world to clear the way for Messiah to come. And even today we're reading about a story of a boy who is still summoning the hearts of the fathers back to the kids. He's still crying out for all of us that are disobedient to turn back to him. Because this kid is going to have the Holy Spirit on him even before he's born. Wow. This is not going to be what you're looking for, Zechariah. It's going to be far greater. Now, let me just... 
You know that dream that died in your spirit, the dream that you keep hoping for, it's not happening? What if God has something far better? What, what if he wants to take your unlikely and turn it into unimaginable? He's the best at working in our unlikely. Notice the response afterwards. Look at what it says, starting at verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, okay, this is going to be the McFarland paraphrase here. Whoa, hang on there. I'm really old. My wife's not a young chick anymore. We're way past childbearing age. We've had that dream. It's died a long time ago. There's no stinking way this can happen. Come on. How can I know this is true? Which the angel says, okay, I know who you are. Now I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm Gabriel. I'm an angel, an archangel that stands in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. There is no falseness in the presence of God. There is certainly no falseness coming out of an angel from God. Okay? And now you're going to be silent. I just gave you a testimony. To give hope to the world. And you're going to be quiet about it now. Until the day comes that this actually happens. He goes on. It goes on. When he came out. Zechariah could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For He just kept making these signs to them. But remained unable to speak. And when the time of his service was completed. He was finished with his Levitical duty. He and his wife returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. Woo! And for five months remained in seclusion. Now notice what Elizabeth says. Which, there's a whole other sermon here. But just notice what she says. Zachariah did this to me. No, that's not what she said. The Lord did this to me. The Lord fulfilled this dream. The Lord did something incredibly miraculous. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Not only has he taken away their disgrace, but the Lord took away our disgrace. Because he brought about a dream that had long been dead. And turned it into a miracle that brings hope instead. Hope is when we quit dreaming about our dreams and transfer our trust to the God who makes dreams happen. That's what hope is. It's taking your focus off of what you want and transferring it to what God wants. And putting your trust in a God who fulfills and comes up with promises that only he can keep. So transfer your trust to a promise-making God. Instead of focusing on your self-fulfilled dream. And you'll find hope again. And hope never fails. Why? Because God is always faithful. 
Back in 1839, there was this German school teacher. His name was Johann Wickham. Johann led this school of kids that was a mission school in Germany. And every year he would take time to teach about Christmas and what it means to all of these kids. And so the kids every year started the process of anticipating Christmas. And you know how kids are. You were a kid once. You remember this. How many more days till Christmas? How long till It's like going on a car ride. Are we there yet? Are we there? How many more days? And so what he did was he went home and he grabbed an old cartwheel, big, huge wheel, similar to this, instead of it being uh, internal, it would be one big, huge cartwheel. He dug holes, drilled holes in the cartwheel so that he could put candles in the cartwheel. And he, would, he brought that back the next day, and he took the cartwheel, and Monday through Saturday put in these small candles so that they could light the candle every single day of the day it was and watch the cartwheel's candles keep going down. On Sundays, he put in a tall candle that they would use to talk about some aspect of the Christmas story and what God provided when he came. And we've since turned those into four Sunday candles. The gifts that Christmas brings of hope, of love, of joy, of peace, and then the sun, the God of light. Today, and that practice came to America in the 1900s and is practiced by many people, calling it the Advent calendar or the Advent wreath. Today we light the candle of hope. And I want to encourage you to maybe go home, find four candles or buy them on the way. Maybe you buy an Advent wreath for your family to put it on the kitchen table or someplace where you can see it and light a candle every Sunday representing the gifts of Christmas. Practice this. Today I want to remind you that the, one of the reasons we cel celebrate this holiday is that God brought hope back. He brought hope to you. That dream you have that feels so distant, so broken, so gone. He doesn't want you to put hope in a dream. He wants you to put hope in him. And then he can delight your heart in your dreams. Because only he alone can do it. So what's your dream? What are you hoping for? Rekindle your hope in the God of unlikely dreams. And watch what he does in your life that's so unlikely but might just happen this Christmas. Jesus, thank you so much for the hope that we have in you. We don't have hope in things or possessions. Hope in people tends to fail. But we do have hope in a God who is always faithful to his promises. So help us this Christmas to transfer our hope to you. Sometimes that's the hardest step of faith. Is to put our hope in you instead of our own dreams. I pray for the man, the woman in this room that has lost hope that you'd remind them you are still the same God. You are Jehovah.
You're our hope giver. And just like you did in Zachariah's life, I pray you fulfill your hope in us this Christmas too. We ask it in the powerful name of Jesus and everybody agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.